Master the row, hear him. Welcome to episode seven of Muster the Brohirim, a podcast about Middle Earth and all things Tolkien. We are currently discussing Amazon's new series, The Rings of Power. I'm Josh, and I'm here with my co-host Nick. Hey, Nick, how's hey, it going? Hey, what's going on? Not much. I'm uh, excited to get back to this. It's been a, a little bit of a break, but uh, looking forward to having good conversation with you today as we uh, discuss The Rings of Power, episode seven, The Eye. Uh, yeah. So I think we're gonna do things a little bit differently today, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Changing up the format a little bit and how we kind of go over the episodes. Um, I'm looking forward to trying something a little bit different. Awesome. Well, uh, before we get started, I want to remind everyone to uh, check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash muster the bro hearum, uh, or just search muster the bro hearum, uh when you're in Facebook, maybe on your phone or whatever. Join our community. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or comments. Uh, at the same time, feel free to give us a great review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And uh, you can leave your comments there as well. We'll definitely see those. So I think, Nick, without further ado, we could get right into this. Yeah, I think we do that. Let's jump right in. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back for our recap of Episode 7 of The Rings of Power, The Eye. This episode opens up in the aftermath of the eruption of Mount Doom. Our characters travel through the new wasteland trying to reach the Numenorean camp. Isildur appears to die while trying to rescue survivors, and Queen Muriel gets blinded by fire and ash from the falling building. Galadriel has a new traveling companion in Theo, and they evade orc patrols and eventually meet up with the rest of the survivors in the Numenorean camp. The Numenorians are heading back to Numenor, but they vow to return. Helbrand survived, but he needs elven healing to recover. We end our time in the Southlands with Adar becoming the lord of the newly named Land of Mordor. Mount Doom not only impacted our Numenorian and Southland friends, but also the Harfoots, who finally reached their destination of the Orchard, to find it mostly destroyed from the eruption. The stranger attempts to heal the trees, but cause more problems than help in the moment. He sets up on his own to find the big folk, and no sooner has he left than our three mysterious women of rune show up. The Harfoots face them, but as a result, the dweller destroys their carts and all of their supplies with fire. Nori wakes up after the devastation and the heartbreak of losing their mobile homes to find the Harfoots rejoicing as the orchard has been healed and fruit is everywhere. Nori sets off with Poppy and Marigold and also Sadok to find the stranger and help him from the three from Rune. We come back to Khazad-dûm where the elves are attempting to treat with the dwarves for the Mithril. Negotiations do not go well and King Durin is not interested in helping them. Prince Durin cannot leave his friend in the lurch and disobeys the king's command and goes digging with Elrond to uncover more Mithril. The king finds out and casts Elrond out of Khazad-dûm and strips Prince Durin of his title just to seal up the mine to all of the Mithril. He casts in the leaf from the great elven tree and as we watch as it falls, 
through the mine and burst into flames at the feet of none other than Durin's Bane. And that's the recap of episode 70i. Josh, what'd you think of that episode? Um, you know, I honestly, comparing it to last episode, episode six, I thought it was a little bit slower um, mm-hmm. in, in some of the stuff that it presented. You know, as you noted, it was a lot of just like kind of recovering from the eruption of what is Mountain Doom. Right. Um, and essentially the creation of Mordor, which was like a really big, like climatic piece. Um, yeah. So this didn't have as much of that. I will say, though, that there were a couple of elements that were kind of fun to see. I think, you know, kind of filling in some gaps for us uh, in regards to Galadriel and kind of her her life. She kind of had a moment there with Theo well, where we, we learned some interesting things uh, about her husband specifically. Oh, uh, yes, Kelleborg. he does exist. She is. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. So that was, yeah, that was fun. And that was something that I kind of was waiting for. Like, is she single at this point or is she married by now? So in the kind grand of a scheme big of things, she, she, yeah, it was because it was one of those things that's like, where is he? Because by now he should be married to her. Right. Um, they should be they should be a couple by now if we're following like Tolkien's timeline. I understand this is a compressed timeline. It's different, but it definitely filled in at least one gap. So that's something that, you know, some maybe hopefully we'll get a payoff uh, on that soon where we'll get to see him or meet him. It kind of sounded to me like she maybe thinks he's lost or has died. Um, right. Because he went off to war against with her brother. Yeah. Right. Against, battle against sauron or morgoth or whoever it was that they were fighting at that point in time so very interesting piece so they you know i'm glad that they kept him around yeah no i i i also thought that was really really good and i um as soon as i heard that i was thinking oh josh will be thrilled because i know that you haven't (laughs) been the most excited about the compressed timeline and maybe like manipulating some of the the um the canon and all that. So yeah, overall, when I yeah. heard that part, yeah, that nice little moment with Galadriel, like that's kind of what I got out of it too. So I'm like, that's pretty sweet. So I am like you, I am hopeful that, well, maybe we will see uh, later on in the series. So that's kind of an exciting thing to wait for. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to that, that piece. Right. Um, and certainly there was, there was other things going on in, in this episode. Right. I mean, yeah, um, we got to so, see Casa Doom and stuff, but maybe we should like talk about like favorites and such. Yeah, yeah. So under cool? our whole restructuring, trying to do the episodes a little bit different, uh, maybe to you know cover more of the things that we really enjoyed versus kind of like the play by play. Let's talk. Let's talk about that. Let's go to you know our favorite part of the episode and let's kind of discuss that. Followed up with our our least favorite part. And then we will look at, uh, you know, like some points of intrigue or potential predictions and prophecy or however we want to approach that, you know, even though we've already kind of talked about uh, Kelleborn, but that's okay. So let's start off with that. Josh, why don't you uh, take us into that? Why don't you tell us your favorite part of the episode? Ooh, my favorite part of the episode. So I probably spoiled a little bit. I definitely think that um, that little uh, moment with Theo uh, and Galadriel, I think that that was definitely a moment that I quite enjoyed just because we get to know that Kel- Kelleborn does exist. But beyond 
anything in Casa Doom lately really makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Prince Duran. I love um, Disa. And um, I just love being in Casa Doom. I, I think that's one of my favorite locations that we have seen thus far. And I'm an elf fanboy, so that's saying something. I think because <laughs> yes, you know we have also seen Origion and Linden. <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of kind of funny, but um, you know, I have to say, like I, I've said, I'm not really um, a big fan of the whole magic Mithril saves the day type kind of storyline. I love it. Um, however, <laughs> however, it wasn't as bad this during this episode for me. Like, um, you know, this idea that King Durin rejects the proposal from Elrond and, mm-hmm. and you know, they kind of do that. And then what I like is like the deepening friendship between Durin, Prince Durin and, and Elrond and how they basically like, you know what, I'm not going to let my friend die or waste away or whatever, uh, or his people waste away. And yeah. so they kind of decide that they're going to go exploring themselves for it and yep. do their own thing. I think that that was really cool. Obviously, it, it ended badly for both of them because it, it got Elrond kicked out of Casa Doom. And, right. and uh, a major moment there between Prince Durin and, and King Durin there. Um, but then also, you know, Disa saying, hey, you know what? Someday uh, this mountain is, is going to be under your kingship. And then things will change, you know. So that'll be rather interesting to see. Um, so I guess you know, as far as a favorite piece, I think that would be my favorite part, just because it's it's kind of advancing the storyline of the the elves and the dwarves from that that standpoint. Because at some point in time, we have to know that they they do you know become good friends and they're trading with each other, and you know they they build the doors with you know, like the, the doors that are that the doors to Moria that you see in the Fellowship of the Ring. They're inlaid with Mithril. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's yeah. technically like an alloy created from Mithril that re- Mithril that reflects the moonlight. But oh, sure, whatever. Very um, cool. Yeah. So I think it's like Ithil, I believe, is what it's called. Either way, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Like I want to see that happen. I want to see that. And so like I see like this is like the the beginning foundations of that. So that's kind of where I'm at. What what was your favorite, Nick? that that's a really good uh you know a summary of kind of your favorite there josh with with casa doom and and you know i'm i'm not going to completely echo your favorite here but i i guess because i'd I'd like to talk about another area but i also really really enjoyed the whole casa doom scene um and that whole dynamic you know just like you've already played out and i think you've said plenty about it i don't really have much to add other than the fact that, can you tell us who showed up in this episode, Josh? <laughs> Are you referring to the Balrog? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not referring to oh. the Balrog. Durin's Bane? Oh, there it is. <laughs> so I believe I'm owed something at this point, and hoorah for me. Um, so yeah, super excited about that. I really, really enjoyed that. And of course, like we've kind of geeked out about I love that they're using um, Peter Jackson's representation of the Balrog because I just think it fits so great. Um, You know, I just love it. So that was a great, great part for me. But since you kind of already touched on, you know, the whole piece with, uh, with Casa Doom, I'm going to focus on, you know, probably 
closely close to my first, but you know, a little bit of a second favorite was the whole dynamic with the Harfoots and the strangers, uh, the stranger. And, and I really, really enjoyed um, that whole piece there because, you know, we get to have a little bit more insight into the stranger and, you know, we, we saw him in earlier episodes healing his arm. And then there was like some weird stuff that happened between him and Nori, um, as far as like their relationship goes, seemed a little bit strained. And then, you know, the Harfoots have really taken to the stranger at this point. And they, they think he can heal the orchard, which is super fun. And he tries to, and then it turns out he does, right? So yep. his powers seem to be growing the longer he's in the show. And, but ultimately, you know, falls through again. And he, he, he kind of, uh, you know, Poppy or not Poppy, but Nori's sister is put in a little bit of danger as a result of him healing the trees. But I love the fact that again, we're introduced to these, these three mysterious women from Rune, right? That, Mm -hmm. um, uh, which I, I do want to say, you know, I, we read that they're from Rune but they've never mm-hmm. actually said that in the show yet. So I call them the three women from Rune because we know that's where they came from. But we kind of get a, big, a better glimpse into them. I mean, they're very much looking for the stranger at this point. Uh, clearly servants of evil, um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, what they're doing. We've certainly speculated what they're doing. So, you know, they're trying to find the stranger at this point. And there's been a lot of foreshadowing around, you know, like from the very first episode, the eye... Uh, when he falls to earth and all this stuff that really makes the gears turn kind of wondering what's going on there. <laughs> but then we see uh, the dweller actually destroy the whole Harfoot camp. Right. And, right. but, but, we, but even more so than that, we see Nori kind of like jump up and say, he went that way, trying to like send them in an opposite direction. She obviously doesn't want them to come in contact with the stranger. She's trying to protect him. So, right. you know, I just really enjoyed that whole scene, uh, seeing the Harfoots kind of rise up and stand up against evil. And I thought it was just a really good scene. Yeah. And then obviously, that... obviously with their journey to go find the stranger at the end. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, it was my favorite because this has kind of been one of those big cliffhangers and, um, you know, uh, a point of intrigue, if you will, for the entire show. Like, who is the stranger? Like we have our speculations, right? right? <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, it, it, I think that's gonna come and fully be next episode. And I, I mean, obviously it's a season finale, so I can't wait for that. And this is really being set up and I just really enjoyed that whole part. Yeah, I definitely think we're gonna get payoff in um, the eighth episode for sure, the, fin- the finale. Um, I, I do have to say, I really did enjoy the whole, you know, kind of going off to go help him and, and this little fellowship that forms, you know, it's, yeah. it's not just Nori and Poppy, which kind of is your like Frodo and Sam equivalent, right? Yep. Um, but then you got Nori's mom and then Sadok comes along. I suppose it's Nori's stepmom, right? I, I can't remember her name right at the, at yeah. the top of my head. Yeah, a little confused by that whole, it is, I believe it is her stepmom, but, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's Marigold. Marigold. Yeah. So either, either way, you know, they go off to, to find him. And I, you know, it, it, to me, it's just, they, they saw the good that he did for them, especially with the healing of the orchard. Right. right. And um, 
and now now they're like yeah we we owe it to him like we right, we're not gonna him. essentially leave him behind you know which is which is nice because um there are times where they they do seem a bit cutthroat when it comes to that so i'm, <laughs> I'm glad that you know maybe they they are warming and uh, maybe this is like the the beginnings of them like starting to settle down like i don't know if we're going to get this and maybe this kind of brings us into like predictions and prophecy but like are they going to basically throughout the series tell the story of the harfoots settling down and becoming hobbits mm. in the shire yeah. you know what i mean because yeah, right no, now they're exactly a nomadic people there yeah that's a that's a great segue should we should we jump into that next point now josh should we go into our uh, points of intrigue should we do that or should we talk about our least favorites so we can get that out of the way? Because I don't want to be negative at the end of the episode. I love it. Yes. Least <laughs> favorite. Go ahead. Okay. Fire away. Am I going? Okay. Yes, sir. Duran's Bane showing up this early. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. And it's not just because oh, I owe Nick, you dinner your favorite over this part bet. is going to be my least favorite part. Jeez, this is almost reminiscent of our previous episode. I love the fact yeah, that yeah, yeah. Mithril plays an integral part in the elves' survival. And you hate it. Great. Yes. <laughs> Tell us why this is your least favorite part. Okay. Yes. So here's the thing. We know that the, the, the richness of Moria was not found in silver or gold, but in Mithril. That is like direct line from Gandalf talking about Moria in the Fellowship of the Ring. And they dug too greedily and too deep and unleashed that Balrog. So for me, the fact that a leaf can float down all the way down to where the Balrog is and wake him up tells me like how much mining can they really do of Mithril before they wake and release this thing. And, mm -hmm. and so that, that bugs me because to me, it's not just that the, the, um, the dwarfs found Mithril and started mining it. That wasn't the problem. Like that was great. The problem was, is that as they, as they mined it and got more and more and more, they couldn't stop their greed for it. And that's what ultimately released the Balrog. And if the Balrogs are awake and can literally be bothered by a leaf that's thrown into a chasm, I'm, I'm very concerned about how exactly they go about mining Mithril and, and creating things from Mithril um, without immediately waking up the Balrog. You know what I mean? Right. Um, because if, if, like I said, if a leaf can fall down there and wake him up, then any amount of rock debris or talking and chiseling or whatever you would think would, would do that. Unless the area that they sealed off, they seal off for good and they find another vein of mithril somewhere else that is safer to mine. And then right. they, they go back to that spot after they've mined all of that or something because they're so greedy and they know that it's there. I don't know. I'm really hoping that, that there's something like that because it's to me it's too early for the Balrog to take over in uh, Moria yeah, or in Casa Doom. And, you know, even though we're sticking with the least favorite part, I think it's it, more than anything, it's foreshadowing of what's coming. Um, I don't, yeah, I, get I that. personally think, you know, like, and I'm not going to sit here and defend my favorite part from your least favorite part. Yeah. You know, what, I, I, I think that, I think that, you know, we're a ways from seeing the Balrog necessarily wipe out during spoken yeah. Moria. Um, I think it's just literally kind of like this. It's, it's showing the um, danger associated with, with Mithril. And, you know, ultimately that King Durin 
is correct in not wanting to mine this. And and there's a lot of other things in regards to that that that's kind of piggybacking on because even the mountain doesn't want them to mine it. Hence why like there's comments made where it's like, you know, the stone doesn't want us to dig here. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's like part of the whole prospecting thing by singing to the stone and all that stuff. But but yeah. yeah, I get I get where you're coming from. I, I understand, you know, from a historical part why this is your least favorite. It's it felt a little bit like gimmicky payoffy, like, oh man, we have to have the Balrog show up because that's such an iconic piece of like the Lord of the Rings um in the movie adaptations that we have uh-huh. to show it in the first season. Like we have to give people that right away. And I that's I think that's probably why I have a problem with it. Like I want a little bit more mystery behind behind that, if you will. And I, I don't I want to see like this process of of the the mithril becoming a source of greed, not just like right now it's it's kind of, you know, I'm just trying to save my my best friend's life and his people's lives. Like that's why we want to mine it. Do you know what I mean? It's a rather altruistic point at this point in time. So like I would hate for the dwarves being altruistic means they're they're ending because because they're trying to be helpful so like i i I need to see i need to see that develop into greed does that make sense it does and and it's funny because like how you're viewing it is exactly how i'm viewing it as well except i think i kind of see where they're going with it right so yes altruism you know they're trying to help the elves that's duran's goal here but if you read between the lines the conversations with his father that his father holds him back, that he crushes any ambition or aspirations that he has. Like Mithril is the thing that Durin wants. He knows what it will do for them. It's only after he finds out what it will do for the elves. And hey, that's kind of a byproduct. I get to help my best friend, save his people. But ultimately, I think that Durin and Disa, like even when Disa is talking about this is our mountain, we will rule this mountain. Like you can already feel the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like there is yeah. going to be a fallout between king and prince. And Durin is going to kind of have that greed of Mithril and power is going to overtake him. That's what I see. I see it coming, okay. but I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, and I can I can definitely see that being teed up as well. And honestly, like I think I would be happy with that if that's how they if that's how they tee it up. I I really it's not like it's, you know, I'm not like offended by this show or anything like that. Like when you're talking about something that I've enjoyed this much to pick something that's quote unquote least favorite is is what it is, you know. Yeah. I think there's always going to be something though, right? It's like Yeah. As hard as it is to pick something, you can. Like, even yeah. with mine. It, are, are we good with yours? Are we ready to move on? Yeah, yeah. I want to hear yours. Cool. So mine's really simple. Um, I didn't like that they're kind of pretending that Isildur died. I, I think it's kind of dumb. <laughs> I yeah. Think it, I, I don't understand the purpose behind it. I'm, I know that there is, obviously. But again, we're finding something that we didn't like. I'm just kind of like, yeah. really? Like, come on. Like, it's so Aragorn. You're gonna leave him. Yeah, you're gonna leave him alone. 
uh, in Mordor, essentially. Like, what is ultimately going to happen to him? We all know he doesn't die. So it's kind of, it was a silly thing to do. Yeah, they they assume him dead and they release his horse. So you you got to know that he's going to arrive somewhere on the back of the horse. Like it's it it yeah. feels so much like that scene where Aragorn goes over the cliff, um, fighting the wargs, and then you know, <laughs> the horse his horse finds him and carries him to yep. Helm's Deep. Like it's yep. it's totally that. It, but and is which, he gonna you know, is he gonna show up at the Numenorean camp and they're all gone, or is he gonna be captured by um adar and in the orcs or or rooks like we don't really yeah we don't know there definitely is that whole piece and i'm okay with that i'm okay with you know the horse lore there and like the the binding to the warrior that they serve and all that i'm okay with all that um sure i just kind of you're gonna pretend (laughs) that he's dead okay right Right, yeah, like nobody is fooled by that, and and maybe that's maybe that's the point though, maybe maybe that's you know what they wanted to do for whatever reason to like give us something to be like really like we all know like any of us know that that's even just seen the movies casual watchers that Isildur takes up his father's sword, um, so he's, <laughs> right. he's he's around right, um, right. It, yeah, so it's it'll be interesting to see like why why they did that, like what what the dynamic is there that they're trying to create, um, or like are they trying to create like a separate storyline for his development? Where you know, um, right, like you said, does he make it to the camp before they leave, or do they leave and then he makes it to the camp, or well, whatever? Have, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Not much to pick at. That's about. It. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I think the most thing to pick at would just be like how slow this episode was compared to the last. <laughs> yeah, I guess when you go to a full sprint, you got to slow it down a little bit heading into the season finale, right? Heading into the season finale, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, because episode six was kind of big. I mean, essentially the creation of Mordor. Yep, which was epic. Um, Definitely, definitely epic. I don't know if we talked about it, but the whole like, the Southlands and then the switch to, to Mordor where it went from Southlands to Mordor. Yeah. At the end of that, that episode, really? <laughs> I was like, are we watching a PowerPoint presentation now or what? Like, Heck yeah, we are. <laughs> and it was super effective. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. They definitely re- made it stick for me. Did, yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Because in my notes, now I get to cross out the Southlands and I just put Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there is that. That is exciting. I will give you that. I mean, we did we did just get to see the creation of Mordor. Who would have thunked? Who would have thunked? <laughs> cool. That's fun. So let's uh, let's jump into the last part of our discussions here and talk about yeah. our points of intrigue, uh, predictions, or prophecies. Yeah. yeah. So um, obviously, we've we've kind of already talked a little bit about them as far as you know, Duran's Bane showing up. So I don't think we need mm-hmm. to focus on that too much. But what I'm going to, what I'm going to focus on is the stranger. And I've already talked about it also, but mm-hmm. we are going to find out who he is. And I am still holding fast to my original prediction, the stranger is Gandalf. So, you know, Oof. I think that despite everything that we've seen, some of the symbolism of the eye, you know, I still am holding fast with my original theory. 
you're holding fast with your original theory. So I I will agree with you that it is he is in fact a wizard, but I really want him to be a blue wizard. Fair enough. So I mean that's that's kind of the same but different, right? I mean I get why they would say it's Gandalf because that's like the recognizable wizard um, that a lot of people would see and know. Um, but to me, it would be just as easy and better to to actually use one of the wizards that came during the second age that's been documented as coming during the second age which is is the blue wizards and and to that point we know that those people that are coming to find him are from rune Mm -hmm. the east guess where the blue wizards hung out in the east yeah yeah yeah, I mean, if, if that's your, your prediction, you know, you, you definitely held there. And I think that there's a lot of credence uh, to what you're saying as well. So that also makes sense, but I won't be swayed. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I, don't, <laughs> I, I wasn't really trying to sway you. We're just, we just have two differing opinions here. And that's okay. okay. It's fun. Because yeah, exactly. all shall be revealed in the next episode. That is that is what the promo says, is it, is it not? So I, I could make <laughs> another prediction. I am willing to bet that we will see some rings forged in the finale. Really? Well, I mean, the rings of power. <laughs> it it well, would just make sense. <laughs> yeah, it would make sense. Uh, that will be interesting. Indeed. Um, you know, kind of back they to... They would get to that in season one, though, right? Like, Well, yeah, I, they might not kind of question how soon they would jump into forging the rings that's that's valid they have a a lot of um a lot of stuff to cover i suppose well i don't know how they're going to forge the rings when anatar hasn't showed up yet there is that yeah it it does um rise a question as to when we will see anatar i mean i can't imagine they would skip anatar i mean i I know that we'll all know who anatar is but well let's talk about that right so predictions so anatar have we Mm -hmm. seen him yet we don't know i think that some of the symbolism points towards the stranger but he's had zero contact with the elves um right you know with any of the main story very much an isolated story with the harfoots so i can't imagine Mm -hmm. that he is sauron and if he truly is sauron which again he's gandalf but how is how is that even going to correlate well let's just they're not going to be forging rings then because yeah you're right they wouldn't be if if that's the path we're going other than that right i have no idea yeah they would have to move very fast in the next episode if that's how we're going to proceed (laughs) yeah that would be a very fast-paced episode other predictions i i really i don't know that we're going to see it in this coming episode but like i had mentioned before i think we will we will meet Caliborn at some point mm. in time yeah a nice reunion uh, yep yeah and you know i wouldn't be surprised if um we see the transition of power in casa doom mm-hmm. um you know the dad the king king already looks pretty old you know, I honestly don't know how old he is, if they've ever, you know, ever made any any point to, to lay that out there. But uh, he doesn't seem to be in his prime. Right. So, um, you know, if Mithril's going to save the day, um, 
I would imagine that uh, Durin, Prince Durin has to have control to get the Mithril to the elves, since that's yeah. the storyline we're going with right now. Yeah. Part of me wonders if we're done with Kaza Doom for this season. It seemed like a nice way to close it out. Durin Bane, Durin's Bane shows up. You know, we have yeah. a, a really good conversation between Durin and Disa about, you know, they will control the mountain. They will rule, you know. So, I don't know. I, I doubt we're going to get back there uh, this season, but it seems like an that, quick That could out. be. Yeah, I guess. I guess it could be. And, you know, all will be revealed, that whole piece, I'm, I'm sure, where we must be talking about Sauron, right? We'll, well find out whether or not the stranger is, or maybe he'll just pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. Right? It's kind of a theory, right? Like, so, I don't know. You know, we we haven't really talked about Adar much for this episode, but what's going to no. come about Adar? Like, so do we have any predictions about him? I mean, he's current. I mean, he created Mordor at this point. Um, yeah, he is the ruler over the orcs. Um, what is what is he going to do? What what is his point to play here? Yeah, that's very interesting because he very much was not on the side of Sauron. I mean, he claimed to have killed him in episode six, right? Um, and I don't, I don't feel like we really got a whole lot of him in this episode. No, uh, that really developed his story more than what we got from episode six. So it'll be really interesting. I have a feeling that if, you know, if and when Sauron shows up, there will be a power struggle there. I don't Ooh, think yes. he's going to be like, I don't think he's going to like cowtail to him and be like, oh, you know, whatever. I think that it's going to be something where like Sauron has to kill him. Okay. Because he, I mean, he clearly he has this really weird like love for his children and it's it's not necessarily a i want to go and conquer the conquer and rule middle earth it's i want them to have a home right <laughs> so we're going to create mordor and then we're going to hang out there at least for now you know i don't know like I, he doesn't strike me as the i'm going to become sauron type either sure. um and i don't think he is like i don't i don't think he the, the story that he told gladriel i think is the truth from his perspective. Right. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's quite a few uh, points of intrigue. So why Definitely. don't we take a quick break at this point, Josh, and we'll come back uh, for our sign-off. I think that sounds like a great idea. All right. Fun talk. we're back charging into the sign off of the show josh that was a fun one yeah that was really fun i really liked our new format where we get to you know maybe discuss more of our our favorites and least favorites and points of intrigue uh rather than than our, the the old format i think that this is more conducive to our conversation um, obviously, though, we would want to hear what other people think about it and would love for people to drop comments uh, and join us online, uh, either on Facebook at Muster the Brohirum or by just, you know, leaving a nice five star review with a comment on, on your podcast platform of choice. Could not agree more. 
I also had fun with our new format here. Um, I personally found it much more enjoyable um, to just kind of discuss major points. But like gosh, we want to hear from uh, the listeners. We want to know what you guys thought. Do you, do you like the old way of going through kind of the play-by-play of the episodes? Or are you more, are you, are you liking the way that we're trying out now? Um, I think, you know, at least for right now, we fully plan on going into the finale episode uh, with this same format, uh, giving it a test run, but it'll also give all of you time to provide some feedback and some input before we dive into whatever the next topic might be um, after the finale. So, you know, I, I, this was a great episode. The I, it was, it was really, really fun. It was a, it was a good talk, Josh. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I'm looking forward to getting into the nuts and bolts of the finale. Yes. And discussing that, I think that's going to be uh, rather exciting. We're definitely looking forward to to seeing that and talking about that. Yes, absolutely. All will be revealed, and we will be back. Until next time, I'm Nick. And I'm Josh. And we are Muster the Brohirum. Mm-hmm.